journey into the Citadel, where our pastor is Superintendent Johnson A. Bevan III. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Good morning, good morning, Citadel, and to everyone, and welcome to Citadel Cyber Church. I'm so glad that you are tuned in and that you have joined us on this Sunday, April the 11th, 2021. And I see so many of you are coming on and watching. Uh, so glad to see that for many who have been traveling, and so good to see all of you that are coming on here. Let us know and uh, that you are joining. Uh, and if you're with us this morning, just type in some comment, let us know you're watching. And uh, also feel free to share and to uh, start a watch party. We're just so glad that you're here with us today. And uh, if this is your first time possibly joining with us, we give you a special welcome. And I want to let you know, we want to connect with you and to be a support to you and to especially pray with you and for you. And so to do so, to ask you to connect with us, just simply text as it reads on the bottom line, the ticker below the screen, text 76762317, Again, text the number 76762317, And you'll receive a reply text with a link in it. And that link will take you directly to the digital connect card. So just tap the link and uh, on the digital connect card in the comment section, uh, just let us know that this is your first time. Let us know your first time with us uh, here uh, at Citadel Cyber Church. And uh, you also may have a prayer request. You can type in your prayer request in that comment section. Or if you want to just become a part of our online church community, just type in the comment section, online church. And we know exactly what that means. And so even throughout our time here today to communicate with us, you again can text 76762317-6760134. And again, it's so good to see so many of you that are on here. We thank God for his graciousness uh, to us and to you all. It is so good to see you, Citadel, and others as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for another day that you have blessed us with. You woke us up this morning. You kept us uh, throughout the night. And we thank you for your protection, even through the storm and the rain. Uh, some may be in a place where the sun is shining today, and others may be such as is here, a little dreary and uh, raining, uh, but yet God in all, we need even the rain. And so we thank you, God, for uh, this day, a uh, day that you have made, and we do rejoice and we are glad in it because you make us glad and you are the reason for us to rejoice. And so we bless you and we honor you and we thank you on this Lord's day. I thank you for these who are with us uh, today. Ask God that you would uh, bless them in the taking time to be with us. Also, God, I pray that you would speak a word to them uh, in the series that we have been dealing with and that, God, you would impart something of great substance to them uh, to encourage, to uplift, to instruct and to empower them uh, to continue to live for you and to continue to live strong in life. We also pray, God, for our country, for the leaders of our country and that, God, you would be with them again as we are still in the midst of a pandemic and uh, different things are taking place, new surges, 
Uh, new cases are uh, on the rise, but God, we know that you're yet still on the throne and that you are in charge. And so again, we look to you, God, to bring us through uh, this particular moment in time in history that we're living in and that God, you grace us with your presence and also God grant unto us your mercy and your protection. Bless even now as we attend to your word. And we thank you, God, for your goodness, for your graciousness and your kindness unto us. In Jesus' holy and matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a praise to give God this morning, come on and type that in there so we can see, uh, we can read exactly how just how much you love the Lord, uh, to give God some glory and honor. Uh, because he is the one who woke us up this morning. He is the one that started us on our way. And so we praise the Lord God Almighty for his strength and for his love shown unto us. Uh, we are back into 1 Samuel chapter 17. We've been dealing uh, with a series entitled Confronting Gigantic Challenges. And we've just been dealing with how to respond to them. Uh, not like uh, Saul, the King Saul and uh, the uh, Israelite army that we read about there in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, we have turned our attention to taking a look at David and uh, to see his approach and response so that we can extract some principles or insights to help guide us when we're facing uh, a fierce foe or in a gigantic uh, uh, challenge or if we have a, a struggling, stressful situation, sometimes uh, life becomes a struggle and we have to work our way through it. And uh, just as a recap again, if it's been a couple of weeks since we've been back on this particular series, uh, there are five insights that we have already extrapolated and, and gained from uh, this story. And the first one uh, was in the 25th and 26th verse and that it's important to recognize the reality of what you see in here. Uh, we have to recognize who is who and what is what and we're able to do that by having a theological perspective on the situation. A second insight in principle uh, was from the confrontation uh, between David and his oldest brother in verses 28 and, and 30. And uh, the fact that we have to realize that family may think they know us, yet they may not know the plan that God has for us. And that can cause some, some friction sometimes in family situations because they think they know us and understand us, but more times than not, uh, at the same time, they unknowingly underscore who you are uh, because they are unaware of what God is doing with you. And many times in points in our lives, God is positioning us to transition us for something new. And sometimes family just cannot see that in the middle of what God is doing. A third insider principle we've gained thus far is that we have to resolve to face the challenge. Uh, there are many challenges in life and in order to really uh, uh, conquer and to move forward, you have to face them. And in dealing, in doing this, uh, sometimes there are challenges within the challenge that we have to deal with. And one of those challenges could be just to fight against fear. And we saw that in verse 32, there was an overwhelming odds here in the story. And uh, we have to uh, fight against fear sometimes. And also sometimes uh, we have to deal with people's doubt in our ability and capability. And we see that in verse 33, Saul doubted David's physical ability to face Goliath. And he wasn't convinced that David had the skills to fight against Goliath. So sometimes in resolving to face the challenge uh, that you have, you also have to ignore sometimes uh, what others think of you. Excuse me. 
A fourth insight or principle for confronting gigantic challenges is that you have to recall and reminisce on past successes. Uh, in acknowledging your past accomplishments, you're able to build confidence. And so when, when Saul challenged David's credentials, as we see in verse 33, David recalled what happened to the lion and the bear. He uh, let Saul uh, understand and know what he did and what happened in that experience in verse 34 and 37. And so we have to never forget the lion and never forget the bear. We never forget uh, that the Lord delivered us and that the Lord brought uh, us out. We never forget how the Lord solved yesterday's struggles, because if he was able to solve yesterday's struggles, he also can help us in solving our present day challenges. A fifth insight on how to face our challenges, especially of a gigantic spiritual nature, uh, is found in verses 37 through 40. And it is here, this is crucial. It is here because this is the most critical decision, the point of a decision that David had to make on how to fight the fight. He had to decide how he would fight this fight. And anytime that when there's a conflict, whether in church or in marriage and other situations, you have to decide how you're going to fight. And when there is conflict, you have to choose how to manage it. And typically, we will, and that will be determined uh, by, first of all, the outcome that you desire. And secondly, the process to use to get there. So the outcome or what should be wanted really in all of our conflicts and situations is a peaceful, redemptive resolution, especially when we're dealing with individuals. As to process, basically there are two ways to fight. Uh, you can fight fair and you can fight dirty. Fight uh, fair fighting and dirty fighting. And how you manage conflict really has, uh, is, it has a heavy impact on its resolution or not. And fair fighting is the means of really just trying to understand the other person's perspective and also to be understood and respectfully discussing the matter then within boundaries so that you can preserve the relationship. And it's not about trying to get over on top of the other party. It's not trying to, to, to make sure that you win and they lose. All right. That's not the intent of, of managing and working through conflict. And on the other hand, there's dirty fighting. This is characterized by yelling, arguing, uh, uh, hurling uh, accusations, uh, humiliating someone, name calling, and just all sorts of what we call hitting below the belt tactics. And this method only intensifies and exasperates the conflict. It never resolves conflict. But here in this particular challenge, in this conflict that David finds him in, David's decision here determined the outcome of this fight before the bail went off to start the fight. And so as it was with David, so it is for us. When challenged, especially in facing a spiritual battle, it is necessary that we make the same decision that David made, which is our fifth principle is this, you have to refuse to fight in the flesh. You have to refuse to fight in the flesh because our strength is not found in the flesh. And so when David refused to go out and fight Goliath in the flesh, when he took off uh, Saul's armor, verse 39, Saul had, before the Saul had piled up uh, his military garb and everything uh, to go fight Goliath, uh, David took that off. 
And in essence, what David was doing was showing us that you cannot fight in the flesh. We have to refuse to fight in the flesh. Now let's work our way to the sixth principle here this morning. And before we even get to it, uh, we need to understand something else uh, that we may be confronted with after we have made the resolve to face the challenge. And again, that was the third principle. Uh, to resolve to face the challenge. But in addressing this principle, I had stated earlier, as I said here, uh, in resolving to face the conflict, you got to deal with some other challenges that you find within the challenge, okay? And then with fear was one, and also having to deal with uh, hurt people or a person's doubt uh, in your ability and capability as David did with Saul. But there's another thing we possibly have to deal with. Uh, and that is when, when we're in a conflict or challenge, is actually showing up for the fight. Uh, there is no fight. Uh, there is no resolution to certain kind of uh, situations unless you show up, all right? And you gotta show up for the fight, if you will, uh, coming to face-to-face, -face, coming face-to-face -face with the enemy before the fight actually begins. Now, you all probably remember when we were kids, and uh, there was an ensuing fight that was about to take place and commence. And then there will always be some, some words prior to the fight, right? Prior to engaging uh, somebody in a brawl, so to speak, they were called fighting words. And y'all know some of them were just, uh, I dare you, all right? And I think uh, uh, Dr. Williams at one time would share with us, he talked about that, put that stick on the shoulder, right? I dare you to knock it off, I dare you to knock it off. And some real fighting words were just saying, your mama. And you would talk about, you might say, yo mama, they come back and talk about yo mama. You don't talk about my mama, but yo mama, all right? Those are fighting words. And for some of you that may be old enough to recall the boxing days of Muhammad Ali, y'all remember uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, he's swift and, and quick and, and everything. Uh, you remember that there was always a pre-fight conference, a pre-fight conference. And this pre-fight conference consisted of an articulation of, Al, of Ali's estimation of himself versus his components. And many times the opponents would also come in and chime in uh, in that pre-conference, uh, uh, pre-conference or pre-fight conference, so to speak. Now, this was a tactical strategy that uh, Muhammad Ali uh, utilized extremely well. And this this pre-fight conference, Ali mastered some tactics and some stuff here. He was a great master of it. In 1974, for instance, uh, Muhammad Ali just showed out at uh, his pre-fight conference against George Foreman. And regarding himself, Ali said, I'm experienced now. I'm a professional. My jaw's been broke, been knocked down a couple of times. I'm bad. Been chopping down trees. I done wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, thrown thunder in jail. That's bad. Then he went on to say, only last week, I murdered a rock. I injured a stone. I hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. I tell you, that Ali had a way with words. And again, that pre-fight conference, that right there by itself was enough to get you excited and get your, get your adrenaline flowing, all right? Now that's the juncture that we come to in this story. The pre-fight conference in the valley, the exchange of Goliath and David's articulation of their estimation of 
the other. So let's take a look at it. We're not going to get through all of it here this morning, but to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 40. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse, verse 40. And if y'all remember uh, Muhammad Ali, some of y'all just put in there, just type in the Ali. And y'all might be able to put something in there too about what he said about himself. All right, he was, he was a butterfly, sting like a bee. That's Ali. But look at verse 40 in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. This here is the beginning. This is that pre-fight, this pre-fight conference in the valley, all right? Now, the conversation in this story shifts uh, at this point uh, from David and Saul that we read about in verses 32 to 39. Uh, it shifts from David and Saul to Goliath and David in verses 43 through 47. We'll get to that a little later. But before getting into the conversation uh, between Goliath and David, let's first examine Goliath's estimation of David, all right? Now, after David had grabbed his uh, warfare equipment, uh, he took his shepherd's staff, uh, he picked up some smooth stones, and he had his slingshot with him. All right. And after he grabbed his warfare equipment, he proceeded to go face the Philistine Goliath. Now, it's important to remember here, a note here, it's important to remember the significance of the term Philistine. And that refers to one who was not in relationship with the living God. That's who David calls uh, the Almighty God. Even if look at uh, verse 26. It says, David spoke to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Meaning that he was not in relationship with God Almighty. It says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of who? The living God, all right? The living God. And so the significance of the term Philistine refers to one who was not in relationship with living God. And so as David approaches Goliath, the Philistine also approaches David, yet being protected by his shield bearer, a guy that's coming before him carrying a shield to protect Goliath in this battle. And as they come closer and closer to each other, the Philistine, the scripture says, looked about and saw David in verse 42. 
Now, what did then the Philistine see when he looked about and saw David? What did Goliath see? Well, one, in looking about, all right, David appeared to be without any protection for he had no shield bearer. David's coming and running towards him. He's going towards him, coming near uh, Goliath, all right? And there is nobody protecting him. He is out there on his own. And secondly, too, in seeing Goliath, Goliath then made his estimation, all right? After looking David over, all right, and seeing David, after looking David over. Now, you know how, how we do uh, when we're not familiar with someone, you just got to check them out real good. Y'all do that with preachers. Then when preachers would come, run revivals, you've never seen them, never heard them, and don't know anything about them, whatever, you check them out real good and they'll let you know. I, they'll be saying a lot of things saying, I'm just giving you time to check me out. All right, y'all got to look me over uh, before I get into the word because y'all are trying to figure me out, see who I am, all right? And so uh, after checking David out, all right? He merely saw a handsome, good-looking young man, all right? This is in verse 42. He saw a good-looking, handsome-looking young man, evidently inexperienced in warfare because he only was carrying a staff, and he had no soldier shielding him, okay? He didn't see a rugged, experienced, well-built, protected soldier. And after checking David out, the scripture says, the Philistine disdained David. The Philistine disdained him. You see that? And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him because he was nothing but a youth, ruddy, and his countenance was fair. To disdain means to despise, to hold in contempt. And again, we're working our way to the sixth principle. All right, we're not going to get there today. We're working our way to it. But to disdain means to despise, to hold in contempt, because this is very important, a very important thing for us to get, uh, because it happens to us often as well. To despise, to hold in contempt. In other words, uh, to, to disdain means to disregard or to regard uh, something as unworthy, uh, not even not worth taking notice of or consideration. Right. This is how Goliath uh, saw David. This was his estimation of him. He is nothing even to pay any attention to. Right. And so in, in essence, the disdain really is to disesteem something or someone is to have a low opinion or regard of what you're looking at okay and this is what goliath's estimation was about david now here's the insight i want us to get today all right this is very important to see this because uh, again this is in the pre-fight this is the pre-fight conference all right and the words haven't even started yet Goliath is 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 uh, uh, lining up his opponent. All right, he sees him. All right, here's what I want you to see or get from this right here, just in verse 42, right here. When the devil sees you, think about that for a second. 
when the devil sees you, he disregards your worth. And in so doing, he underestimates the power of God. He disregards your worth and underestimates the power of God. The devil disesteems us and he underestimates God's ability to use a despised vessel. Whatever, how people see you and think about you sometimes, that's their estimation of you. And often they cannot see beyond just what they think or perceive that they see about you, all right? And generally anything that is despised is also rejected or becomes rejected of having any use. And that's why when he looked at David, he had no regard of even really paying any attention to him. Okay, he really got insulted. We'll see that as we move into the conversation. He really got insulted in seeing David. Now, the thing about this, this is the exact uh, human estimation that uh, was made about Jesus, the suffering servant who sealed our salvation, the suffering servant who sealed our salvation. I, I like the way that rings. I got a little bit of that from one of our, our teachers of our, that facilitated our uh, session uh, last Wednesday and uh, out of from the subject matter, uh, our sealed salvation. Uh, and it was sealed by our, our suffering servant. But this estimation that uh, Goliath made of David is similar to how humanity viewed and looked at Jesus. Look at Isaiah 50, chapter 53 and verse three. You know, this is about the suffering servant, uh, the one who came and really all that passage in, in the book of Isaiah starts in, at the end of uh, Isaiah 52, chapter 52, around verse 13. But in Isaiah 53, um, let's start at verse two, let's read verse two and three, I'm sorry. Verse two says, he shall, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there was no beauty that we should desire him. There's no form of, of majesty. There's nothing of any majestic nature in looking upon the suffering servant. And then in verse three, it reads, he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not, right? There was nothing attractive about him to take notice and consider at all. And we esteemed him not. We turned really back and pertaining to Jesus, they turned their backs on him, all right? And looked the other way because it wasn't worthy. He wasn't even worthy to consider at all. And when the devil looks at you, he disregards your worth, right? You may look like the, the most puniest thing, all right, in the battle. You may look like the, the, the most impoverished uh, soldier in the army of the Lord, okay? And when he looks at you, 
He disregards your worth. But un, unfortunately for him, but fortunate enough and, and not to our benefit, he underestimates the power of God, all right? For it's to our good and our benefit that the devil underestimates the power of God to use the least esteemed for his purposes. Now, I hope you get, I hope you're catching this. All right, you may not even feel a highly, you may not highly esteem yourself, but if you're in the army of the Lord, if you are empowered by God, if you are on the Lord's side, the, the songs you whose side are you leaning on? Leaning on the Lord's side. Uh, when you are uh, on the Lord's side, when you're in the army of the Lord, all right, there's something special about you. And the devil still yet disregards because of what he sees in you and what he sees about you. And we know the scripture says that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But a lot of times, even in life, people disregard your worth and they underestimate what you can accomplish, all right? Because they under, underestimate the power of God and his ability, right, to use us. Weak vessels, vessels who look impoverished, vessels who, vessels who look uh, uh, unstable, all right? The enemy underestimates what God can do with us. And so they despise Jesus. All right. And they despised him. So they esteemed him not. They had a low estimation of him. And sometimes people have the same perception and make the same estimation about you. All right. Then in the pre fight phase of a situation. All right. They've already counted you out, counted you down, counted you not even worth considering even going to battle against. All right. But it's to our good and to our benefit that the devil underestimates God's power and ability to use us, all right? So we may look like the underdog, all right? But we got, to, we got the big dog fighting with us, all right? But for his purposes, take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter one. 1 Corinthians chapter one. And Paul here, uh, in this first chapter, in this uh, portion, starting around verse 18, he defends his manner of preaching. He defends uh, the message of the gospel, all right? And to some, saw it as foolishness, uh, saw that it was weak, uh, did not see any wisdom uh, in the gospel, in the preaching of the gospel, in the message of the gospel, didn't see any strength in it at all. But this is what Paul has to say about that perception, okay? Uh, look at look at verse 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, for us, the body, the people of God. Here he was speaking specifically to the church at Corinth. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, all right, not many mighty, not many noble are called those after the flesh, looking at the strength of the flesh, looking at what 
the life of, of humanity and the instrumentality of human means, all right? But look at what God does, verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and the things which are despised. There it is. Has God chosen? Yes, and the things which are not, which consider nothing to have no value, no honor, no esteem whatsoever. God takes those things. He chooses those things and God makes a deliberation in his choice. All right. He deliberately chooses who and what he will use. And he does it for his purpose, which is to bring to naught things that are. God wants to bring things down by what's considered to be ignoble, weak, dis disesteemed, despised, unworthy, unusable. Some people think that you're not even worth God using in life at all, all right? That God can't use you. God can't do anything through you. The devil is a lie. The devil is a liar, all right? The truth is not in him. The truth is in God, all right, who never lies. And so sometimes God uh, will is able to use us, all right? Regardless of what others think of us, God has the power to use us to bring to naught things that are not so that, look at verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his sight. And so hence the reason for us not to fight in the flesh. As David refused to fight in the flesh, he refused to fight in Saul's armor because in God's presence, no flesh, no human ingenuity, no human prowess will get glory in God's presence. And so it is with us, all right? And so it's to our benefit. It really is to our benefit and to our good that sometimes people think we ain't worth nothing so that God can get the glory out of using us. And when God uses us, he gets the glory from using us Others then perceive us as something different. All right, we'll see this even how it impacts uh, the story as we continue with it, and we'll continue with it next week, uh, the Lord willing. Uh, but again, know this and remember this no matter what you feel and think about yourself, when you're facing a gigantic, a gigantic trial, a gigantic uh, struggle, uh, a gigantic contest. Uh, a gigantic Goliath, all right? A big thing in front of you, all right? The devil thinks that he's already got you because he disregards your worth. The thing about it though, he underestimates the power of God to use what the devil disregards. He underestimates the ability of God to use those of us who are weak, feeble, uh, unworthy, uh, disesteemed, uh, not esteemed at all. God is able to use us 
when we've given ourselves unto him. So I hope this helps someone today uh, to let you know that's how the devil sees you. All right. But it doesn't make any difference what the devil thinks about you. Doesn't make any difference how the devil views you. Doesn't make any difference what kind of estimation the enemy puts and hoists upon you. All right. Because he underestimates the power of God to use little old me. He underestimates the power of God to use somebody just like you. We'll pick up again here next week, my friend. I hope this has been an encouragement to you and some strength for you uh, for your in your journey and in your spiritual battle and your spiritual walk with God. I see some of you there. I appreciate your comments. We thank God for you. I see my cousin uh, coming on here. Hey, hey, uh, Lawrence, Larry Williams. God bless you, man. That's my cousin, y'all, uh, out of uh, from Illinois. Amen. Uh, so I hope you got to that point. Uh, here today. And we'll pick up again next week, uh, the Lord willing, uh, in and from this point and really take a look at the conversation that ensues, uh, that pre-fight conversation that ensues uh, between Goliath and David. Let me pray with you. Father, uh, we know often that we face different situations uh, that become struggles, uh, but yet you're our strength in every struggle. And there are times, God, that we are faced uh, with a matter that is beyond our means and beyond our ability. But God, our faith and our trust and our hope is not in ourselves, but is in you. All right. For we're just clay vessels. Uh, we're just uh, instruments uh, to be used of you. But God, when we avail ourselves to you, you're able to do some mighty, powerful things to the extent to bring to naught that which thinks it is. And so, Father, I just pray for your strength to be revealed, your power uh, to be manifested in the lives of your people. And I pray especially for someone here today who may not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of their sins, that, God, you would convict them of the truth of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit would get a hold of their heart and open up their understanding to know who Jesus Christ really is. And as the scripture even goes on to say there in uh, that first Corinthian passage, that you've made him to be unto us righteousness, wisdom, and sanctification. And in all that, he is our salvation. So I pray uh, that one would receive Christ today. And if that's you, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your savior, uh, declare him as your Lord, uh, that is something that you can do. You personally make the choice to do that. And we accept him uh, by first of all, confessing our sins and repenting of those things and believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that God, uh, that he died on the cross for your sins and that God raised him from the grave for your justification. And God grants unto you, grants unto us eternal life only in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, pray this prayer after me. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I repent of my sin, my error, and my way. I ask you to forgive me. And I accept Jesus Christ today 
as my savior, believing that he died on the cross just for me and that you raised him from the grave to give the strength to the testimony to who he was, the son of God. I believe that Jesus is my savior and I believe that he is the son of God, the true deliverer of my soul. If you pray that prayer, my friend, uh, you pray the greatest prayer ever in your life. And we want to know uh, that you've done that, that you've received Jesus Christ and your life has a new beginning. God cleans the slate of the past, wipes it out, all right, wipes it clean. You get a clean start and a fresh, a fresh going uh, in Jesus Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, let us know. Please text 767-62317-676-0134. Again, if you prayed that prayer, let us know. Text the number 766-2317-676-0134. And again, click that link in that reply text and uh, let us know in the comments section uh, that you prayed that prayer. We will know what that means. We'll want to get in touch with you and to provide some material and also prayer uh, to help you on your spiritual journey. We'd love for you to uh, support the ministry. Uh, some may want to do their tithing and uh, sowing seed. And if you'd like to support the ministry, there are four ways you can do that. Uh, we will accept uh, donations. Uh, no amount is too small. No amount is too big. Uh, God will bless in either way when you're giving out of the right motivation. And first of all, we can receive through Cash App, and that's dollar sign C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C. Again, dollar sign C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C. We also can receive donations through the Givelify mobile giving app. And there is a blue bar on our page. After we uh, close out this session here, you can just tap that blue bar. It will take you directly to Givelify, or you can download it on your smartphone, your, your mobile device, and do a search for Citadel of Faith Church of God in Christ. And you can give uh, about that way. It will guide you through the prompts there. We also can receive donations by way of PayPal, again, uh, to Citadel of Faith Church of God in Christ. And if you'd like to use the mail, you can do so at 7676 East 38th Street. We sincerely appreciate any and all support that you may give. You can also take us along with you wherever you are through our podcast, Journey to the Citadel. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, uh, Soundbreaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, also on the Citadel uh, webpage, uh, citadelkojic.com, www.citadelkojic.com. There is a, a, a tab that reads podcast. Just tap that and it will take you to our podcast. And you can take us along with you. You're driving along in your car, uh, walking or, or doing some running, doing some exercise. You can also get some inspiration at the same time. Please like us here on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And that is at Citadel Kojic. And uh, we just pray again that God uh, bless you today, that you receive some strength uh, from the spiritual word that was given unto you this day. Lady Rita, and I love you, but certainly God loves you so much more uh, for, you, for he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Until next Sunday, until next Sunday, remember the words that Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. 
Peace and have a great remaining Lord's Day.